look at me. I have such great books on my bookshelf. Yeah, you do. That's that is definitely we will not fault you for bragging about that. I do think a victory lap might be entirely in order here. <laughs> hey, readers, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next? Episode 346. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on the show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Readers, my book I'd rather be reading turns four this week. Thanks so much to those of you who have supported my work and this book by buying it, giving it, sharing it, and reading it. To wish it a happy birthday, would you please take two minutes and write a quick review on a retail site if you haven't yet, just two sentences as a review. As of this minute, I'd Rather Be Reading has 923 reader reviews on Amazon, and it would be incredible to hit 1,000 to celebrate this book's birthday. That really does make a difference in the algorithms, and thank you so much. If you haven't yet read it or purchased a copy, now is a great time to pick it up for yourself to read immediately or as a gift for a friend. I'd Rather Be Reading makes a wonderful gift, and with the holiday season right around the corner, fresh reviews make it even easier for new readers to find this book. Speaking of gifting, we are getting ready for our annual holiday gift recommendation episodes, note the plural, where we solve your book gifting conundrums. We created a Google form so you can tell us all about your holiday shopping dilemmas. Pop over to today's show notes to put in your recommendation requests for the readers in your life so we can answer them in that future episode. Future episodes, I should say. If you want your request to have the best shot at making it into our episode, submit it right away. That link is at what should I read next podcast.com slash 346. I can't wait to hear what you're looking for. Again, that's what should I read next podcast.com slash 346. Readers, Sadia Shamsi's CV had me squealing in delight before we even met. She lives in New Jersey and works for the Department of Defense at the U.S. Navy. She owns a travel company where she curates custom trips for clients. She's been teaching Indian dance for 22 years, a part-time role she's about to retire from. And when she does, she's going to put the freed up time to use, well, reading, and on her podcast, What I Think I Say, which is dedicated to discussing unpopular opinions from the viewpoint of a now 40-year-old South Asian Muslim-American immigrant woman. Sadia reads multiple books at once, has reading rituals for every season, and dreams of moving to France to open a bookshop in the not-so-distant future. But right now she's here because she's having a hiccup in her reading life. Lately, she's found herself reading mostly three-star books, which means, sure, she enjoyed it, but she didn't love it. And she really wants to read books she loves. She knows that's a tall order, but that's why she's here today. When it comes to choosing what she wants to read next, she'd love to discover more books no one is talking about. And her top priority is to read the great books she already owns. My mission today is to help Sadia find those hidden gems from the over 500 books already on her shelves. Today, we're going to scour her personal library for books already on hand that meet her reading goals right now. Fingers crossed, they're five-star reads. Let's get to it. Sadia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me in. I can't wait to dig in today. So how are you <laughs> this morning? And I'm really hoping you'll mention St. Lucia. I'm doing really well. I just got back 10 hours ago or 12 hours ago from St. Lucia. So I'm just adjusting back to regular life. And this is a great way to go into that. Uh, travel and reading, two of your favorite things. Was that business or pleasure? 
It was pleasure. I turned 40 at the beginning of the year, and this was my belated girls trip to celebrate. Ooh, it sounds like you're doing it right. And congratulations <laughs> and belated happy birthday. Thank you so much. Now, I know for your day job, you work for the Department of Defense. Is there travel involved in that? Or is that a purely, I almost said leisurely pursuit, but that is also a business for you. Yes. So I work for the Department of Defense in the U.S. Navy now, and there is unfortunately no travel anymore. But I did work 10 years in the U.S. Army, and there was lots of travel in that. Now it's more of a desk job. So you had to create your own reasons to travel all the time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about that. I've always traveled ever since I was a little kid. My dad's a big traveler, so we've always been out and about. And that's honestly where I feel most at home. And about a few years ago, I went on a trip to Bermuda. I broke my foot. When I came back home, I was like at home for about three months where I couldn't go to work. I couldn't go anywhere. And during that time, I created a travel company with my best friend. And it's basically where we curate trips for customers, anything from like, you know, if you want to go somewhere with friends to big family trips. So essentially anything and anywhere you want to go, we will make it happen. So it's a customer centric, custom itinerary company. What are some of the trips you've had the most fun putting together for clients? We just put together a Yellowstone, Grand Teton and Glacier Park trip for 50 people, their family, friends. And this was planned during the pandemic. So we've had, I don't know if fun is the right word, but it was definitely challenging because they just went on this trip about two weeks ago. Three weeks ago, Yellowstone had a massive natural disaster where yeah. parts of the park. And so we had to change so much for this giant group at the last minute, but they had an amazing time when they got back. It was challenging, but it was such a learning experience to do this and, and all the things that it involved. So in retrospect, a fun trip <laughs> to plan, but not necessarily every aspect when it was happening. It sounds like what writers say. They love having <laughs> written, but not necessarily the actual writing. Okay. So pulling it off was enormously satisfying once yes, it was over. it was. Have you put together any great trips for book lovers and trips for yourself? I think totally count here. Yes. So I have a friend with whom I travel a lot and she lives in California and we actually have a book club, which at the moment is just us. So once a month we meet on Zoom and we discuss the books and we travel a lot together too. So we'll often find books to pick based on where we're going, either a book that's set there or an author from there. And then once we're at the destination, we'll scout out all the locations that have to do with that book or that author. So I do a lot of that primary for her and myself. Sidia, tell me a little more about your reading life. What's it like these days? I read multiple books at the same time. So I have like a morning book and a going to bed book and then a book throughout the day. And they're all different genres. And there was a time where I could only read one book at a time. But over the last couple of years, or I would say maybe the last decade, I been able to read multiple books as long as they're not of the same topic or the same genre. Because I work multiple jobs, or originally I didn't love reading audiobooks because of the type of work life I have, I had to kind of try that out. And now I really do enjoy it as long as the narrator is good. So I'll have at least one or two audiobooks going, which I can read while I'm working or doing chores or pretty much anytime. Anytime I don't have to think, <laughs> I just listen to my audiobook. And then I have a couple of 
physical books. Physical books are so important to my reading life. So I have a bunch of those going at the same time as well. So any moment I get, I will read. And I've picked this idea up from one of your podcast episodes. And I don't remember how long ago it was, but one of the readers said that they block out like 20 minutes to just read no matter what is happening in their life. And I find myself doing that during the workday. I will ask Alexa to set a 20 minute timer and I will just go sit in my beanie bag and I will read for 20 minutes no matter like if, if there's a pressing thing due at work, it doesn't matter. I'm just like, I need a mental break and that's what I'll do. And that's been really helpful. Oh, I love that. And I love that that's something that you've instituted as a routine in the middle of your workday when necessary, (laughs) because everybody knows that we don't get anything done when we're, when our brains are overwhelmed. Yeah. It was episode 265 listeners, 10 questions to ask yourself about your reading life. It's a good one. And she is a timer evangelist. And Sidia, how do you choose what to read right now? So there's a few ways I do that. I'm part of a book club of local women in my uh, sort of in my county that I met right before the pandemic on Meetup. So we have one book a month we pick, we vote and we pick from there. So that can be anything. So that's one of the books I read. The other book is my friend and I have a book club and each year we pick a theme and this year our theme is backlist titles from best-selling authors of 21 and the first half of 22. So that's the second book. And then the other way is I just kind of been going through Agatha Christie's books. So I'll pick one Agatha Christie book just to go down and try to finish the whole collection. I'll pick a book randomly from my bookshelf that is just staring at me, telling me to read it. And then I get heavily influenced by Bookstagram. Those are some of the different ways I select books. And then surrounding all of that will be whatever season I'm in. So if it's summer, I'll try to read more. I don't want to say fluffy, but lighthearted, beachy type reads. Um, in the winter months, I love reading like thrillers or or books that take place in the season that I'm in. I, I'm a big atmospheric reader, both in terms of the book I'm reading and also the time frame in which I'm reading it. So every season I have different rituals and as much as I can make the reading experience into a elaborate, (laughs) luxurious experience, (laughs) I will do that. (laughs) I love the words elaborate and luxurious in this context. So tell me a little bit about what that might look like. You know, I kind of do this for everything I love just because I'm like constantly working. I barely sleep three to four hours. Five is like a good day. So all the little things I enjoy and reading is the top of that. Whenever I can do that, I try to make it like just an experience instead of like, oh, I opened up a book and read. So in the summer months, I'll use my lunch breaks to go to the local park with a picnic blanket, my book, my pillow and food. And just for one hour, that will be a whole solo picnic book thing that I'm doing. And that just makes my entire day so much more exciting. Like I had a little mini vacation in the course of a regular day. And then in the fall, I have to have my cozy blankets and candles going and tea or or hot cocoa. In the winter, if it's snowing, I like to leave all the doors open and kind of let the snow fall in. I'll put blankets so that the, the snow can just kind of get soaked up. So if, if I'm in a place that has a fireplace. So I just needed to look like I've stepped into a ideal book setting, dreamlike situation. Okay. Speaking of bookish dreams, tell me about living out Belle's life from Beauty and the Beast. 
When I went to Paris the first time, which was back in 2003, and I've been there a dozen times since then, I just fell in love with the city. And I'm a big Disney fan. I'm like one of those classic Disney princess adult people. So I always thought I wanted to own a bookshop. I wanted to write a book. And someday I'm going to live that provincial life (laughs) of being in the countryside of Paris or, you know, and opening my own bookshop. And um, the Beast's Castle or the library in the Beast's Castle is my ideal dream. And when I was younger, I was like, oh, that's just, that's not a possibility. Ironic, because as I'm getting older, that dream is starting to feel like a possibility. So I'm like, well, I can retire in 10 years when I turn 50. So I would like to move to Paris or in the countryside. And if I can't get to a castle library, I will at least open a bookshop of my own and kind of set it up like a castle library. So things that are dreams as a kid have now become a reality (laughs) as an adult. I will try to see what I can do about making it a reality. I love how the bookshop France dream is coming clearer and maybe I won't give up hope for you on the castle library aspect of it yet. (laughs) I feel like if I have access to a castle library, that'll be good enough. (laughs) Sidia, you know this episode ends with me recommending books that hopefully you will love, which can be a little bit of a pressure situation. So what I'm doing now is trying to form a picture of your reading life. I love the theme for your local book club backlist titles from bestselling 2021 authors. That is genius. You read with your book club friend, your your book club of two, which for many can be exactly the right number of people for a book club and for a friendship. So you get to read whatever the two of you choose. I'm so interested in hearing how those bookstagram titles are working out for you because you mentioned that they have a pretty big influence in your reading life right now. Yes. You know, it's a hit or miss. I get caught up in sort of the latest book that everyone's talking about. And even though I actively tell myself, don't do that. Read the books you want to read. You have a TBR that just keeps growing. I obsessively buy books. And I mean, my friends have tried to do interventions to stop me from (laughs) buying books. Um, And at the beginning of the year, when I turned 40, I was like, you know what? I'm going to change something. I'm not going to buy a single book until I read through my the books I have. Unless I read a book, I don't like it and I get rid of it, then I can replace it. And so far I've been good. I have not bought any books this year, but I also haven't really read through my personal collection. I I will look on IG. I'll see the latest title. It's usually an author I like. Honestly, I get heavily influenced by your podcast. (laughs) Every time I listen to an episode, I'm jotting down the books I want to read and then I go through them. And what I'm finding is I don't usually pick up a book that's a two-star. It happens, but not that often. Mm -hmm. But I usually pick up books that are three-star. They're good. I enjoyed it, but they don't stay with me. And because I love to read mysteries, I found that mysteries recently are not doing it for me. Either I figure it out or, you know, they don't give me the same feel like an Agatha Christie or a Nancy Drew, like one of those books. And I'm kind of left disappointed or just not taken for the ride that I want to go on. So I feel like I just need to step back from being pulled by the books that are shiny. Or if I walk into a bookstore, those are the books that are being displayed. And then they end up being kind of mediocre for me. So I I need to pick books with more intention instead Mm -hmm. of just like, oh, everyone's talking about it. I should read it too. It's not just you. This is a common thing. And how great to read so many books that you enjoy. Like you said, a three-star read for you is a book that you like. And yet what you really want is books that you love. 
I'm, I'm trying to find books that do one of three things for me, or maybe all three. And one is a book that just makes me feel delighted. Like I love books that make me feel happy and warms my heart. And I mean this with like 100% from the bottom of my heart. I loved reading your I'd Rather Be Reading. I've read that several times. Oh, thank you. It's just so funny. Every time I read it, I'm like, oh my God, me too. And I've given it to my friends because it actually makes me delighted. And I've, I've taken some ideas from that that I would like to incorporate into my life. So books like that, books about books are, oh my God, I love books about books. <laughs> <laughs> the second thing is books that just stay with me. Books where I'm like, Long after the book is over, I'm still thinking about it. And one of them is Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. And I think I read that last year. And I still think about that book's ending. And I won't give anything away here, but just everything that happens in the book and the way it ends, I'm constantly finding myself randomly thinking, would I do that? Would I have done the alternative? How did that? He just writes so well. And I I love science fiction that takes place in outer space. That's a second thing. And the third thing are books that I learned from. So during the pandemic, I got COVID really early on, like pandemic was announced and two weeks later I had COVID. And it took me a really long time to recover, something like eight to 10 months. I'm a very nature person. I like to be out in nature and stuff. And I wasn't able to, like, I couldn't do my daily walks. And I would just sit by the balcony and I would read about books that had to do with forest therapy and nature therapy. And I always knew that nature has a big impact on our mental psyche and everything. But reading books that had like a scientific proof of what nature really does for you, that was just such a timely subject to come into my life. And ever since that, I've been obsessed with reading books like that. Not pure science books, but like books that have scientific proof of how to lead your life better or with more intention and be more connected to nature and things like that. So those are the kind of books that they're very different, (laughs) but those are the kind of books that I'm looking for. I mean, we are not one note wonders here (laughs) as people who love to read. And I think it's great that you've identified this variety of things you love. You love books that make you feel delighted, books about books, books that stay with you, books you learn from. Those are great things to know about yourself. Okay. So what we're going to do, Sadia, is we're going to talk about the books that you love that I imagine really bring these factors to life. And then we're going to talk about how to find that in a way that brings you satisfaction, not just with the individual titles, but with your reading life as a whole. How does that sound? That sounds great. Okay. How did you choose the books we're going to talk about today? You know, when I've listened to the episodes before, I've always wondered like, oh, that must be so difficult to do. But when I was filling this out, it was actually pretty easy because I picked books that represent different parts of my reading life, but also different times in my reading life. The first book I picked was Little Women by Lisa May Alcott. And I must have read this book when I was 10 or 11 years old. And since then, I have read this book dozens of times. And I kid you not, the book makes me feel exactly the way I felt when I first read it. I love this book so much. I love the characters. I loved Joe March when I was preteen. And I love Joe March now as a 40-year-old. I find her independence and her need to just want to write and want to tell stories and her love for her family. The fact that she doesn't 
you know, she almost doesn't believe in marriage. There's a part where she's like telling Meg, why do you even want to get married? We'll just live out our lives, just the two of us. And sometimes I feel like that about my brothers. I'm like, don't get married. We'll just be the three of us. You know? So <laughs> like marriage is not important to me. Uh, so it was an impressionable age when I read that book and that character stayed with me. I adore that book. It's It's got family. It's got heart. It's it's got little things. It is sad, but it's also such a depiction of life, I feel like. And that's one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. Little Women. Okay. You like to read books that you learn from. I imagine a deep dive into the actual life of Louise May Alcott may be extremely satisfying for you. Just putting that out there. Yes. <laughs> Sidia, tell me about the next book you love. So I had to pick an a thriller or a mystery because I, those for the longest time, that is all I read uh, other than <laughs> the, the childhood classics of Little Women and Little House on the Prairie. I want to say for a good 20 years of my life, I only read <laughs> mysteries because I'm a big problem solver. So I love books where like things are happening, it's fast paced, and then it gets solved. And Agatha Christie is like my top top mystery writer. So at first I thought I would have a hard time picking her book because I love the Miss Marple series and I love Arcule Poirot series. I love that her stories are, you know, they're so atmospheric. I'm instantly taken into the English countryside, which is where most of her stories take place. I love this eccentric characters, but lovable characters she has. But I ended up picking... And then there were none, which has neither Miss Marple nor Hercule Poirot in it. But I think the reason it was easier to pick this book is because it is different. It takes place on an island, which is not what most of her stories take place. It doesn't have a detective solving the problem. It just kind of is this storyline where... You know, it starts with this poetry and then the whole time as the book is evolving, I'm like, oh, it's it's this person. And then the next thing you know, that person's dead. I'm like, oh, it's this person. So the whole time I could never guess who it was. And nothing is more satisfying to me than a book where I don't get it, <laughs> like that I am wrong and am, I'm just thrown by what the ending is. And I, I just loved that about this book. And I also listened to this on audio. That's that's how much I loved it. And Dan Stevens, oh my gosh, I love him so much. And he does such an amazing job with all 10 character voices and the narration. I felt like I was right there on the island and just like observing all of this happening. And I love a book that will take me to where the book is taking place. So this is like a super satisfying, easily one of Agatha Christie's best, in my opinion, mystery book. So that's that's how I came to this one. And also a great entry point for those who haven't read her. I was just about to tell you that I also love the Dan Stevens audiobook narration, but no, I read this in print. I listened to him do Murder on the Orient Express, which was wonderful. I'm glad to know he also does. And then there were none. Yes. <laughs> okay. So you really don't want to get there before the author does when it comes to solving, solving the case. Yeah. Yeah. When I do, I find myself a little disappointed. <laughs> That's good to know. What's the final book you love? So this one I picked as one of the more recent books that I enjoyed. And I love a book that can be relatable. I don't need a book to be relatable. Most of the times I read books that are not relatable and I love them just fine. But every now and again, I get a gem that is so relatable and funny comes to me at the exact right time. And this was Confessions of a 40-something F-Up by <laughs> Alexandra. Well done. <laughs> by Alexandra Potter. And oh my gosh, I read this last year. I was 39 years old. 
And the things that happened to her in this book are not what things were happening to me. I wasn't 40 yet. I wasn't looking for love or marriage. I didn't just come off a broken engagement. I wasn't renting a room at someone else's place. But so much of what she goes through and what she feels and how she articulates and the things she does, including starting a podcast, which is something I did last year. (laughs) I was just like, oh my God, this was the universe just handing me the perfect thing at the perfect time. It's, I think it's over 500 pages. And I was in just giddy delight reading it. When I finished it, I wish I could like reach out and be her friend. It's just so funny. And I come from a group of friends where like a lot of my friends are married with kids and some aren't, but are looking. And I'm kind of like the anomaly. Like I, I, I'm in a relationship, but I'm, you know, I'm not looking to get married. I decided a long time ago, I didn't want to have kids. So I often find reading books where like, it's either a wife centric or a mother role. I find them to be tiresome from my perspective. I'm like, I never get to read a book where like the person isn't any of those and is happy about it and isn't searching for it. And I love a book that'll make me laugh. I had a hard time not selecting a Mindy Kaling book because her books are so (laughs) funny. But this was just, I haven't read a book that connected me in recent years in a long time. So when this one came up, I'm like, oh, this is definitely one of my favorites. And I, I'm pretty sure I gave it a five star. I hope so, based on all the things you said about <laughs> it. Yeah, I can see how that sounded perfect for you. Sidia, tell me about a book that was not right for you. I have to say this was not very difficult to choose because, like I said, it's I don't normally read books I don't like. But this was just so hard for me to get through. Uh, it's a loved book, so I hope uh, no one... <laughs> gets upset by it but Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng was a book it just I did not work for me I I have a problem where I have to finish books I'm trying Mm -hmm. not to be that person but this was like pulling teeth for me I found majority of the book just dealt with for lack of better word dumb teenage drama in my eyes (laughs) and then the other third I felt like it was going to get to some real dark secret and then it just sort of fell short of that And although I don't have to relate to the characters or even necessarily like this book just made me feel like I didn't care about any of them. I didn't understand like the character of Izzy. I didn't understand her obsession with Mia. I didn't get the ending. I read the book first and then I know that they had created a TV series and I don't watch TV. I I don't even own a TV, but I went and watched this because I was like, well, maybe I'll feel better about the story. And I didn't. I, I may have liked the TV series even less. And when I finished the book, (laughs) yeah, when I finished the book, I remember thinking this was such a waste of my time. And I don't often think that about books. So this was just like, I I can't, whatever's happening here, I don't want to be a part of it is how I felt when I finished it. It had nothing that worked for me in it. So teenage drama, not your thing. Oh, no, I don't like coming of age stories. Normally, there are some exceptions. But yeah, this was this just didn't work for me. Okay, Sidia, if we were having a different conversations, I might I might be like, well, let's think about this. Well, let's try different coming of age novels. Well, did you enjoy this? Well, let's look at this from. But you have 228 books on your home library shelves that you are really wanting to read. I'm kind of doubting that there's much in the way of coming of age stories on that list. And we're just going to work with what we've got today and let you enjoy this aspect of your reading life. And we'll be happy about that. Yes, that's very exciting to me. Okay. Sidia, what have you been reading lately? 
I just finished uh, The Guide by Peter Heller. I mm -hmm. loved The River. Oh, it was one of my favorite books last year I read. And I was really excited to read The Guide. I didn't enjoy it as much. I think it's just, uh, you know, the, I know there's this whole mystery aspect. But the whole time I was like, what is really happening? I felt like it was trying too hard. The first one, the whole adventurous, the Mark Twain type of, I love books like that. I almost put that as a top three. I kind of wish there was top five. <laughs> <laughs> but so I, I didn't care for the guide. It was okay. I think I may have given it a three or two star. And um, the second book I just finished was uh, The Rules of Civility by Amor Tolls. Mm -hmm. I adored this book because it predominantly for the atmospheric aspect of it. I wasn't sure where this book was going. I ended up liking what happens in the book. I love that it was a story about this woman in this time frame in New York City where, you know, whenever I was reading about a street or 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 an area, I was like, oh, I know where that is. Oh, I know where that is. You know, mm -hmm. and it was just, it, it just transported me back to the 1930s or I think it may even start a little earlier. But a wonderful, delightful read. It's one. It's my first book by him, so I'm curious to see how I feel about his other books. Mm -hmm. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that book. So I'm really noticing, especially with the distinction between the river and the guide, that you love books that have an immediacy about them that are really evocative of a time and place, and yes. you you know you love atmosphere. So much of the guide literally unfolds at a distance, like where you're watching things that are happening from a great remove. But the river, yeah. you're like, you're in the canoe you're in or it. kayak or whatever. Like, yeah, you are <laughs> in it. And those two people have a really deep relationship with each other. The two people at the center of the book. Yes. In a way that's also yes. not true of the guide, which readers, I really love both. But we're noticing the differences and what they mean for Sadia's reading life. So in your own words, Sadia, what do you want to be different in your reading life right now? I want to read books I love. And I know that's hard to gauge, but I want to be more intentional with the books I select. I want to at least know that, like I said before, one of the three things are going to happen. I'm either going to remember the book and think about it, even if I don't love it, that I'm going to ponder on it long after it's over, or that I'm going to learn something from it, or that it's just going to warm my heart. You know, I, I think there's a book you talk about often. I it has the word laundry in it, and it is in my bookshelf. <laughs> is it laundry love? Every time I've heard you describe the book, I'm like, I have to read this book about laundry. And I have to tell you, laundry is my least favorite thing to do. So <laughs> I, I'm just like, how does one love a book about something they don't like doing? So like little things. I, I want to read about everyday life things that are just, you know, we take for granted or we don't think about. And I would love to read books no one is talking about because... I don't want to get caught up in the here and now. I just want those little gems that have been forgotten. I think lots of readers are talking about all kinds of books, but they're just not doing it on Bookstagram. Like you are having some really amazing conversations at your local book club and on Zoom, but that is Zoom party of two and nobody else knows <laughs> it's happening. So I think you want to tap into the books that plenty of readers have read or are reading and enjoying, but that aren't currently like filling up feeds on social media. Yes. I think sometimes like feeling like you have to blaze a literary trail all on your own can feel really daunting. But to think of it as, oh, no, you're just tapping into what's happening offline can feel a lot more hospitable. If you want to blaze your own trail readers, by all means, 
Think of it that way. That's great by me. And if you're like, ooh, <laughs> that sounds really scary, then let's approach it from that perspective. So you want to find the books. You have to go seek out because it's not like you're going to stumble upon them in your feed. Yes. And you kind of want to stay out of the bookstore, I'm guessing, because your friends have already tried to stage one intervention, which is so kind of them. Tell me how that went down, Sadia. <laughs> Whenever I travel, I have to visit local bookshops. And I have this thing that if I go into a bookshop, I have to walk out with something because why not? <laughs> I'm like, I'm supporting the local bookstore, the indie bookstore. And I love reading a book later in the in my life where I, I remember where I got it from. Mm -hmm. And it connects me to the place that I went to. So it's like a whole connecting experience. But I just have too many books. And my friends have gone with me to bookstores and have literally taken books out of my hand and put them back in the shelf or have reminded <laughs> me of my own promise to myself that I'm not supposed to be buying any more books. So I pledged that at the beginning of this year. And so far, halfway through the year, I have been good about it. So how this may seem like a silly question because it's so obvious to you. But how do you know you have too many books? <sighs> because... If you were walking to my apartment, I think at a glance, you would tell me I have too many books. <laughs> I have books everywhere and they are categorized to the part of the apartment. So I have a whole travel section that has travel books, cookbooks that are in the kitchen. I have books just on tea because I love tea. And I have books that I use as like decoration furniture, if that makes sense. So... I don't have shelves, rooms anymore. So I've used books to like put plants on top of it or to prop up things. So the books have now become part of the furniture. And I think, I think that's a sign. For space reasons, this is a real thing. Too many books. Yes. You don't want to read them out of duty. You want to read them because you want to. And you want to find your reason why to pick them up in a certain order. We don't want you to feel chastened or shamed or like, oh, I, I bit off more than I can chew. So now I have to sit in this chair and read this stupid book. Like, is this how you're, tell me how you're framing it up. I think <laughs> that made me laugh so much. Yes, I think that's correct. So I'll give you an example. I'm obsessed with all things France, French. And so if a oh, book Oh, I could tell because I've seen the list of books you own. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yes, if the board... Paris exists, I buy the book. It doesn't matter what the book is about. I just, I have to read it. And now I have a collection of Parisian books that I would probably have to devote half the year just to get through them. So, you know, I often buy books because of those reasons. Like, oh, I love books about books, so I'll buy it. But I'm also a mood reader. So unless I'm in the mood to read it, I, I won't pick it up. And because I have so many books, I often forget what I have. And honestly, doing this list was a reminder, like, hey, you have all these books you bought that you're very excited about. And ultimately, what I would like to do is to do this whole goal in 10 years of moving to France with my books. I want to take the books that I absolutely love. And I know that I have books that I'm going to finish and probably give it a three star. Those are the books I would like to get rid of. And I only want to keep the books I love. Right now, I just have books because I love buying books, not necessarily books that I'm going to love. I already know that. So it's kind of a two for one. I'm like, I need to read these books and then I need to weed out what I love and what I don't and start only owning books I love. Sadia, did I just hear you say that you need to read these books that you own, even though you think that some of them you're not going to love? 
Yeah, because I don't know if I'm going to like them until I read them. I can pretty much guarantee that I don't have any books I'm going to hate or dislike because I wouldn't have picked it up if there wasn't some form of interest in it. But I imagine that a portion of those books will end up as three stars. And I don't think I want to be an owner of three star books anymore. I want to be owner of four and five star books. Yeah, that makes sense. Moving books is hard. Moving books down the street is hard. I imagine moving books to France is harder. (laughs) If they were beautiful and I had space, I would totally move three star books. I agree. I don't know. Ask me after I after I packed the first box and maybe I'd change my mind. But Okay, so I am looking at the list of books you love. And you also have quite a long list of books that you want to read. Does that bring any angst into your life? Or do you have like a neutral or even pleasurable relationship with your good reads to be read list? No, I have a pretty pleasurable relationship with that. I know I'll never run out of something to read. I know that I cannot read all the books in my lifetime. (laughs) I'm okay with that. I love adding books to my TBR rate. That does not overwhelm me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I noticed because you sent me your Goodreads want to read list. (laughs) It just, it made me laugh. (laughs) Sadia. Okay. Let me see. I made some notes. So one week ago today, you added 25 books to your want to read list. Does that surprise you? It does not. And the day before that, you added in one go, 76 books to your Goodreads want to read list. And then I noticed there are times you just added like a whole series or everything written by one author. Okay. Okay. If that's not stressing you out, then we can just love and admire that together. Yeah. None of that stresses me out. (laughs) I think you have lots of good stuff waiting for you that you are going to love. I think that past Sidia like knew what she was doing when she was reaching for certain titles wherever you got them like you just added Interpreter of Maladies by Jhumpa Lahiri based on what you've said the immediacy atmosphere evocative like mm, as long as you're cool with short stories I think that sounds really good for you there are so many France books I know how you feel about France I think you're really going to enjoy those so I'm scrolling here I see Paula McLean Jodi Picou I see the word French in quite a few titles. One more croissant for the road. I love books about food. (laughs) (laughs) I see uh, The Honey Bus by Meredith May. Interactive Guide to Life-Changing Books. The Call Me Ishmael phone book. Where the Wild Ladies Are. That sounds fun. I see a lot of good stuff here. Ooh, a jellyfish book. Wisdom from a Humble Jellyfish and Other Self-Care Rituals from Nature. That sounds like the kind of book you were describing you like. But today we're going to zone in on a few specific titles. And I've got some in mind. Are you ready? I'm so ready. So I think no matter what, we really need some France for you because you said um, obsessed. Was that the word you used? (laughs) Yes. Okay. So we need some France. I think some other travel would be really great for you as well. And then a book where you learn something or a book about books. I think either of those could be really great. Those are all the things I love. That's perfect. First, I just... Grab this off my shelf where it was handy. I want to start with a book I was so excited to see on your list because I already thought it would be great for you. Not on your list, on your shelf. And that is Anne Ma's Mastering the Art of French Eating. The subtitle is From Paris Bistros to Farmhouse Kitchens, Lessons in Food and Love. She actually came and talked to Modern Mrs. Darcy Book Club about this book when we read it, I think about a year ago. So she um, was spending the early COVID months, I think, in Vietnam at the time. But 
the setup for this story is Anne Ma is a journalist. She can work from anywhere. And her husband is a diplomat. So he gets this assignment in Paris, which is a place that Anne Ma, who is a lifelong foodie and also lover of all things France, much like you, thrilled to find out that she gets to live there and explore the country with the and, and the city with the husband she loves, who is moving there for work and will have all kinds of support and connections because of that. Right after they arrive, she finds out that because of what's happening in the world, he's being reassigned to Iraq for a year and she can't go. She's going to stay in Paris. So all of a sudden she realizes I'm in Paris for a year by myself. And all of a sudden she ends up in the city she couldn't wait to get to, but completely by herself and feeling a little bit adrift. So in this story, you may know, it's called Mastering the Art of French Eating. It's no coincidence. That sounds so similar to Julia Child's cookbook title. Um, Julia Child was also the wife of a diplomat. And she really takes Child as a role model and just starts setting out to see what's in Paris, what's in the surrounding regions. And she's a journalist. She decides she's really going to dig into the food and culture, not just of Paris, but also of the surrounding regions. And she shares all kinds of stories and recipes along the way. And I think this book is tailor-made for you. How does that sound? Oh my God. It sounds so amazing. I can totally remember why I picked this book up. Like, Okay. There's a couple travel books that I noticed were there. And we're not going to dive deep, but I noticed that you have the graphic novel Displacement, a travelogue by Lucy Nicely, who is amazing. That one is so sweet and so sad. She goes on a Caribbean cruise with her 91 and 93-year-old grandparents and writes about it. It's really touching and poignant and wasn't surprised to see that on your shelf. I noticed that you have a lot of Peter Mail on your shelves, including A Year in Provence. I see why Pasadilla bought that. That is a great book for you. I highly recommend you read that. Um, you have lots of Bill Bryson, an amazing travel writer who often narrates his own audiobooks that I think you'll really enjoy in that format. He's insightful. He's funny. He drops all these tidbits about things you didn't know you wanted to know about the region or about like light bulbs, depending on what book you're reading. <laughs> I think you could really enjoy that. But we're going to skip ahead a little bit to a different kind of travel, not really book. And that is The Giver of Stars by Jojo Moyes. Because you are about to visit your 50th state in the US. What can you tell me about your trip to Kentucky that's coming up this year? I'm actually going to be visiting the National Park there. Mammoth Cape. Which my kids went on field trips too, but my mom and dad had to take me. I, yeah, so I love national parks and that's one of the other things I kind of check off my list. I like to visit national parks and this is like perfect because it's two for one. I'm getting the, the final state and I'm getting a national park. So that's what I'm going to be visiting with my friend. Well, I hope you have a wonderful trip, even if you're a long way from Louisville and all the culture and restaurants and bourbon tasting we have here but that's fine. You can save that for your second trip to Kentucky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the only trip that I'm qualified to curate like you do for your clients. But because you need a reason to read a certain book right now, and because The Giver of Stars is on your shelves, I think this is the right time for you. Do you remember how and when you picked up this book? A long time ago. And I'm trying to remember, I read one of her other books. Actually, this might have been a book of the month subscription. There was a whole time period where I would just keep selecting books from Book of the Month, even though I wouldn't be able to read them as fast as I was getting them. And this is one of those books I picked up and didn't read. 
Well, it came out in October 2019. So yeah, I was thinking you can have had it a long time, but actually, yes, it has been a few years at this point. So this is really not going to inform your visit to Mammoth Cave much, although my husband, Will, read a fascinating book about map making and slavery and mapping the actual caves and mammoth caves. This sounds like a bonus episode waiting to happen in our Patreon community because I have no idea what this book is off the top of my head, but I remember (laughs) him reading portions of it aloud to me. But The Giver of Stars is set in the Appalachian region of Kentucky. It's set in the Depression era in the 30s. There are really vivid descriptions of daily life in this uh, small and remote 1930s coal mining community. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's talk about the heart of this story. There's a young woman named Alice who falls in love and she gets married. And I'm sorry, that's part of the story, but you already bought this. (laughs) You're on the hook for this. So she is really excited about living in a city in America, which she thinks, you know, I live in England. It's boring, blah, blah, blah. Let's go to America where life is happening. But then she gets to Baileyville, Kentucky, which is nothing like she envisioned. She feels isolated and she is lonely and she does not know what to do next. And she, before she realizes what she is doing, she volunteers for the new Baileyville Packhorse Library. Even though the people running this don't have the best reputation, though, of course, you just gossip about that with the fellow community people. You don't say that out loud to anybody's face. So she ends up taking books on a pat mule into the people who don't have access to libraries in rural Kentucky in the 1930s. This is a book about books. This is a book that has a very distinctive um, setting, time and place, just really lush, lots of really vivid descriptions of what life was like then, of what it was like to visit these homes, of how difficult it was to reach people who wanted books with these books. And I think perhaps it's on your shelf for a reason. And I think the reason to read this now is you are coming to Kentucky and soon. How does that sound? That sounds great. And I definitely will read it before I get there. The final book we're going to talk about today. This is one that is now 10 years old. It doesn't, it doesn't feel that old, which isn't that old. It just means it's not all over Bookstagram. And this is a good thing. I'm thinking of Will Schwalbe's The End of Your Life book club. Do you remember how this one ended up on your shelf? Have you recommended this book? Because I have to tell you, a lot of my bookshelf books end up there from the podcast. Definitely, (laughs) maybe. But also, I know he's been on the show. So Will was our guest. Oh, my goodness. This is so fitting. He was on the show, episode 184. It's called You'll Never Conquer Your TBR. And that's a good thing. You all are kindred spirits. Oh, my God. I bet you that's where I got it. Well, regardless of how it ended up there, I'm glad it did. And I'm glad we're talking about it now. So Will works in publishing and he talks a little bit about that in that episode. So by all means, listeners, go back and listen. He's so much fun. You will really enjoy that conversation, whether you're listening for the first time or again, it's such a delightful episode. And we know you love that delight in your reading life. So Sidia, this is a book about a two-person book club. Does that sound familiar? So Will (laughs) works in publishing, his New Yorker mom, they've always enjoyed talking about books together. And then she's diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. 
they decide that they're going to um, form a two-person book club and make their way through as many books as they can that they've been meaning to read together. And they have these really meaningful conversations because we know how books can lead to those. And they talk about all kinds of books. The thing I'm most scared about for this book is you're going to read it and you're going to have all the titles talked about in the book ringing around in your head and then you're going to go into a bookstore in Kentucky or St. Lucia or California or Italy and you're just gonna be like yes I need this yes I need this I'm gonna take it home and all of a sudden yep that's the thing I'm most scared about for you but the way that this book shows real people this is a this is a memoir this is not fiction coming together and their two-person book club like you have learning more about each other through the lens of books and reading there's never a bad time to read this book. And yet I also think the time for you to read this book is real soon. That sounds like a really amazing book to read. Well, you're the one who picked it actually in the beginning. So <laughs> I would expect you to think as much. Look at me. I have such great books on my bookshelf. Yeah, you do. That's, that is definitely, we will not fault you for bragging about that. I do think a victory lap <laughs> might be entirely in order here. So Sadia, the books we talked about today, Mastering the Art of French Eating by Anne Ma. The Giver of Stars by Jojo Moyes. Oh, with an audiobook read by a recent guest, Julia Whalen. So, because I know you love your audiobooks. And then The End of Your Life Book Club by Will Schwalbe. Of those books, which are literally at your fingertips, what do you think you'll read next? Oh, this is hard, but I, I'm going to read them all. And I'm going to read The Giver of the Stars last, right before I go to Kentucky. I think I will start with Mastering the Art of French Eating and then read the End of Your Life book club. I love those choices for you. I hope you really enjoy them. I hope they're five-star reads, but regardless, I expect you to feel the satisfaction that comes from doing this thing in your reading life you've been meaning to do a really long time. And we want to hear how it goes. Thank you so much. I already have a giant smile on my face. <laughs> as soon as we're done, I'm going to go to my bookshelf and pull out those three books so that they're right in front of my face. Well, I hope sometime soon you can set that timer for 20 minutes. So Dia, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much for talking books with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Anne. I had the best time. Thank you. Hey readers, I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Sadia, and I'd love to hear what you think she should read next. Connect with Sadia on Instagram at what I think I say, and find the full list of titles from today's show at what should I read next podcast.com slash 346. That's also where to send your reader recommendation request for our upcoming holiday gifting episode. What should I read next podcast.com slash 346. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter with updates on the show, links to bookish news, and snapshots of what I'm reading lately. Sign up at what should I read next podcast.com slash newsletter. Share the book love by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Your five-star review fills our bookish hearts with joy and helps book lovers find the show. Follow us on Instagram. We're there at what should I read next. Sharing our posts to your stories is a great way to share the show with your book-loving friends. Connect with me on Instagram at Ann Bogle, where I enjoy sharing favorite shots from bookstores and book sales and library trips, all the good book stuff, and occasionally Daisy the Lap. Thanks to the people who make the show happen. What Should I Read Next is produced by Brenna Frederick with production assistance by Holly Wukachewski and sound design by Kellen Pekacek. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.